Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And besides this, we know that angels, their spiritual beings, they seem to have the ability to transform themselves from non-physical beings into physical beings and vice versa. I believe that they materialize or transform themselves into human form, and this they had demon seed capable of altering the DNA to produce these races of, 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 of men that were these mutant giants. And again, the Nephilim, the Rephaim, the, the Emims, the Zamzumims, Anak, Goliath. Hi everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn that Jude directs his readers to angels that did not keep their proper domain. Jude's letter is famous for bringing up obscure and controversial points, and this is one of them. Jude speaks of angels who sinned, who are now imprisoned and awaiting a future day of judgment. It is important that we establish an understanding of the spiritual warfare that has been going on since the beginning of the world and will continue until our Lord Jesus Christ comes back. This is why the Bible says, keep looking up because your salvation draws near. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. Sons of God and the daughters of men, there's some unholy union happening here. In fact, turn with me now to Job chapter 1. So now we've seen two of the instances in the Old Testament where the sons of God comes about. And my point in doing this is to prove something to you. Because it's good for us to read the Bible and read it with your mind. You don't have to check out your brain when you read the Bible. Read it and think about it. And I think you'll agree with me what I'm going to share with you today makes sense. And by the way, I'm not the only one who feels this way. So it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to teach you something that's weird and aberrant, okay? But notice what it says in Job chapter 1 and verse 6. Now, every time we hear the, see the word sons of God, that phrase, I want you to underline it. So here it is. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro throughout the earth and walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth, a, a, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. But notice that phrase, sons of, or sons of God. Let me ask you a question. Just based on what we've read so far, does the, word, the phrase sons of God, does that sound like a, a, a people like you and I? I don't stand in the presence of God. I mean, right now, I mean, not in the flesh, right? In order to stand in the presence of God, as this is describing to me, and to have Satan present, is God a spirit? He is. The Bible says so. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Is the devil, is he a spirit? 
He is. So these sons of God are in the company of God and Satan. Now turn with me to Job chapter 2. Just go over one chapter and look in verse 1. And it says, again, again, (laughs) there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And he says the exact same thing, a little bit variant. But the idea is, these are angels. These sons of God, Ben Elohim, which means sons of God, these are angels, and specifically fallen angels. These are demons. These aren't men like you and I would think of them. Because in order to be in the presence of God, you've got to be in the same dimension. You've got to be in the same physical thing. I mean, has anybody, nobody, the Bible says that no one has seen God and lived in, his, in, in spirit, right? For us to stand before God as spirit, we would vanish in his glory. And then finally, in Job 38, you don't have to go there, let me just read this to you, but it's in verse 7, but I'm going to read verse 4. It says, finally God is opening up to Job, and he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And to what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? And here's the verse. Then the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. These are angels. These are not men. Does that make sense? Is my, is my brain soft? Or is, does that make sense? These are angels. All five references in the Old Testament speak of angelic beings, not men's souls. The Bible, in, the, in the New Testament, the phrase sons of God appears, but it's only speaking of believers. But in the Old Testament, there's only five of them. And for the ones that we read just now, would you agree with me that the connotation of those four don't sound very good? The Genesis, the sons of God going in and, and having relationships with, with women and developing this race of giants that were wicked. And then Job, you know, these sons of God standing before God and the devil, presenting themselves before the Lord in spirit, their spirits, their, their demonic spirits. And these sons of God are demonic spirits that Jesus spoke of. You remember when we are in 1 Peter chapter 3, we looked at this, and we'll get into that briefly. But what was the purpose of the demons or the Nephilim or the fallen ones to do this? Why did they leave their first estate as Jude is telling us? What was the point, really, for them to come down and to physically uh, make themselves uh, physical and visible and to have relations with women and then those offspring become... Uh, something genetically different than a normal union between a husband and wife. Wouldn't you agree that there's something kind of weird about this? These race of giants. The, the, the Bible is filled with this kind of stuff. We don't have time to go there. But these men of great stature, and they were all bent on evil. And it all goes back to the sin of these fallen angels leaving their first estate and God allowing it for some reason. And it happened before the flood, and God brought the flood and wiped everybody out. And guess who only inherited the earth after the flood? Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three, his, their three wives. Eight people. But yet the Bible says later on in Deuteronomy 13, verse 31, it says that 
the same problem started happening again. After God had judged the earth and they started to replenish the earth from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all of a sudden we have the same problem where these fallen angels are coming down and they're having intimacy, intercourse with women, giving birth to, again, the Nephilim. I believe that's what happened. And it makes sense to me. And another reason they did this is to pollute the bloodline. All the scriptures, going back even to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, talks about the seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. The seed of the woman is Jesus Christ. Who is the serpent? Satan. And not only that, but you get into the, the book of Genesis, and it ultimately goes through the lineage that the Messiah it was no mistake, the seed of the woman, this king, this Messiah would come through not only Adam, but he would come through Noah, and specifically he would come through Shem, he would come through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, down through Judah, down through King David, and finally to Mary, whom ultimately would give birth to Jesus. So the devil's polluting the bloodline, trying to keep that prophecy from happening because he knows his days are short. That's why he's so angry. That's why he's trying to destroy. He doesn't care how he does it. He just wants to get a hold of your life. He wants to get a foothold in your life. Whatever it may be, it could be, it could be a bitter attitude. It could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be stealing. It could be pornography. It could be any, any number of sexual sins or abuses of drugs. He wants to get a foothold in because he, all he cares about is to take you away, to take you out, to snuff out. He can't take away your salvation if you're a child of God, but at least he can get you off the planet. One less believer to get in the way. That's the way he thinks. He can destroy somebody who doesn't know Christ. That's his desire. Because they are the object of God's love. They are the object of why Jesus died for them on the cross. Satan wants to destroy them, but even you as a believer, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy you ultimately. And guess what? God has got his hand on you. He's got his hand on you. He's never going to let you go. So this was a problem before and after the flood. And besides this, we know that angels, they're spiritual beings, they seem to have the ability to transform themselves from non-physical beings into physical beings and vice versa. I believe that they materialize or transform themselves into human form, and this they had demon seed capable of altering the DNA to produce these races of, 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 of men that were these mutant giants. And again, the Nephilim, the Rephaim, the, the Emims, the Zamzumims, Anak, Goliath, etc. These demonic beings also seem to have the ability to change form, like the locusts in Revelation 19. We're going to look at that briefly. And what about Genesis 19? Is it such a far-fetched idea? Who were the three men that came to Abraham before he, they judged and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? There were three angels that appeared. Three angels. They appeared physically before Abraham. And one of them was a theophany. One of them was Jesus Christ himself, the angel of the Lord. And Abraham treated him as God. So is it really a far-fetched idea for a, an angelic being to take shape into something different? I don't think biblically, I don't think that's a far-fetched idea. What happened in Judges 13? Do you remember when the Lord, uh, the angel of the Lord uh, came to Manoah and his wife for, uh, and prophesied of the birth of Samson? Do you remember what happened there? The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were so excited about this news about having a son 
And then the angel of the Lord says, you're going to give birth to Samson, and this is what he's going to do. And he's going to take the Nazarite vow. No razor's going to touch his head, etc., etc. And he's going to deliver my people from the Philistines. And they were just, their eyes are dropping. And, 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 and they're like, they know something's going on here that's supernatural. They go to make an offering to him on the fire on the altar, and he ascends in the flame. He was physical just a few moments ago, speaking with them. They could touch him, and all of a sudden he just goes up in the flame. That's what the Bible says. So these are spirits, angelic beings. It's spooky, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think, if, if you, you know, uh, I believe that there are people who can be possessed by demons, not, not believers, but non-believers can be possessed by spirits. And I also believe that at times, as we've seen in history, that they can actually materialize in a human form. And I think the Bible supports that. Notice what it says. Um, let me see. Uh, in Revelation, remember what we just read, how it says the angels who did not keep their proper domain, they were supposed to remain in heaven, they left their own abode. God has reserved in everlasting chains, notice, under darkness for the purpose of the judgment of the great day. We know that the judgment of the great day is still yet future to us, right? Look with me at Revelation 19. Let me read something to you. This is kind of weird, isn't it? This is really fascinating stuff, and there's not a great deal of application other than don't be one of these people. (laughs) Don't be like this. In fact, you know, study your Bible and understand just the the how how serious God is. He hates these things, anything pertaining to it. But notice these angels are in everlasting chains right now reserved for judgment of the great day. Look with me. I'm going to give you two different scenarios because I believe that, number one, God is going to use them perhaps in the very last day, in the great tribulation period. Remember, after the church is raptured, after the church is removed from the earth, there is going to be a period of time that the Bible says is is called the Jacob's trouble or the, the great tribulation period where God's wrath is going to be poured out upon a world that has rejected him. You and I, if you're a believer in Christ, you're not going to see that. You're going to be with him. But there are people on the earth that are going to be here. And at some point during the the second half, we believe, of that great tribulation period, God is going to use these angels that we looked at in Genesis 6 that that have left their first abode, did this wickedness. God destroyed them and sent them into Hades. Maybe the lowest part of that could be Tartarus. It could be the abyss. Whatever they want to call it, it's the lowest part of that container, whatever that is. God places them in there, and even after the flood, this thing happened again, and they were destroyed, and they went right down to this place. And they're in chains in darkness, ready for the great judgment. And there's two different ways that I can see this happening. Let's look at the first one in Revelation chapter 9. This is kind of an interesting thing, though. God is, again at this time is pouring out his wrath upon the earth. And it says, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. This is not a demonic being. This is a a, a good angel. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. That's where we get the word abuso, or the abyss. That's exactly what it means. And he opened the bottomless pit. He opened the abyss, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke, locusts came out of the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm 
the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads, and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locust, he describes him here, was like horses. Notice there's a lot of uh, words like as and like, meaning that he, he's trying to describe something that he, he, he's never seen before. So he's doing his best to put words on this for us. So he says... On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men, and they had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had our breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And here's the funny thing. Actually, it's not funny at all. And they had as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. But in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. Now, I don't believe this is Satan himself. I believe it's probably a pretty important angel of the dark realm. And we know this because later on, Satan is not in the abyss at this time. But these angels are these fallen ones, these ones that God has reserved in chains, and now they come out for what? The judgment of the great day. I believe that God could be using them as a means of judgment to judge those on the earth who have rejected Christ. But notice also in Revelation chapter 20, God ultimately will judge them for eternity because the Bible says at the great white throne judgment in verse 13 of Revelation 20, it says the sea, you can read uh, verses 11 through 15, but I'm just going to start at verse 13 for the sake of time. It says the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and notice, and death and Hades. So anyone who has died and, and were wicked, they go to Hades. It's a physical, it's a real place, and death is Thanatos. I don't really understand what that is, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand what death and Hades. I understand what Hades is, and I understand the people who are contained in Hades. Notice that God is going to deliver that all up. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades, the, this, this container, if you will, of people, were cast into the lake of fire, which we know as Gehenna. This is the eternal judgment place that will never end. The lake of fire. And anyone found not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so ultimately they will be judged. God is, appears to be going to be using them during the great tribulation period for his own purposes. Because you've got to understand, they're in chains under darkness and they want revenge. They want to go out and destroy. That's what they're bent on doing. And they've been there for a long, long time. And when that angel finally comes and opens up that, whatever that is, that abuso, they're going to come out and they're not going to be happy. And God's going to allow it. He's going to allow them. He's prepared them for a time. And I believe that is the time that he is preparing for them. And that brings into uh, relief, really, the verse that we looked at in First Peter. Let me just read it to you. In First Peter chapter 3, this is kind of related but somewhat different. It says, for Christ also suffered for sins. This is 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 18. For Christ also suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Notice verse 19, this is the one. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison 
who formerly were disobedient. And he goes on here. And my point in this whole thing is, is Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went to Hades. Did he go there because he was a bad person? No. Because, look, I want you to underline a couple words. The word preached in verse 19 is a word that means, it's a Greek word, it means kariso, and it means to herald a victory. Does that make sense? Jesus didn't go to Hades because he was bad. No, he already took the sin of himself, of the world upon himself, but after his death, Somewhere between his, his death and maybe even his ascension. I don't know exactly when that happened, but at some point, he went down and he preached to those in everlasting chains. Because they were all about to stop him from even coming, to, coming forth to the earth. Remember in Genesis 6? Again, it's a, um, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, it's a conjecture, Maybe. But he went there to, to tell them of the victory over death and hell. Oh, hey, oh, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Remember the psalm? I believe that Jesus, when he spoke to those spirits, he, he was preaching to them, but the word is very different than preaching like you and I know it. You and I, when we preach, we share the gospel. It's a whole different word. In fact, the Bible calls it evangelizo. It's a whole different um, Greek verb. But this one, kariso, literally means to herald a victory. And why did he do that? Why did he go down there to tell them, your goose is cooked. Everything you tried to do has been foiled. Behold, I am here, risen from the grave. The seed of David, the great king, conquering death and hell, and your day is coming. You know, and again, I said this before, so forgive me because I am a boy. I just I, I, I think of Clint Eastwood when I when I see this, I can't help it. I just I see the the look on it, you know the leather look on his face and the hat and the and the forty four magnums on each side. Your goose is cooked. <laughs> and I don't mean to make light of this. Please don't you know I'm not trying to be uh, irreverent here, but it's it's a moment. It's 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 a victory. It's it's God basically sticking the finger in the eye of the enemy, saying you've lost. It's done. I like that. Don't you? Saying everything you did, tried to do, it's foiled, it's done. And you guys got some more time here. And ultimately you're going to be destroyed. You can look at, um, we kind of went into more detail on this, on a teaching that was done on 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. It was given actually on uh, April 7th of last year of 2019. You can see that on the online or on podcast. You can go back and you can listen to it. We go into a little more detail about that specific event. But let's go on now. But I wanted to establish this idea that these angels that were kept and, and for judgment for the last day, it goes all the way back to Genesis. And it goes through Job. These sons of God are angels. They're fallen angels. And God is going to hold them in this place for everlasting torment. And they're going to be in chains until he wants to release them in the tribulation period. And ultimately, at, after they're done doing their business, they're ultimately going to be sent to the lake of fire, as it says in Revelation 20. Does that make sense? So now we go on. And let's see. Let's just get down through... Um, Verse uh, 7, maybe 11. So notice uh, in verse 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, 
but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. And he goes on, notice, circle the word as. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner. Underline that phrase, in similar manner, and circle the word as, because he's drawing a comparison. Judah's comparing these fallen angels or these sons of God and their unholy sexual union with human women. He's comparing them with Sodom and Gomorrah and their lust. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Jude. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.